Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the show today. If you've ever been frustrated by not having access for good hunting or fishing or other things, shed hunting, camping, walking around, um, we might have a solution for you. On today's show, we've got Nick DeCastro. He is from Land Trust, LandTrust.com. And LandTrust.com is basically like Airbnb for property, hunting property, fishing property. Really cool the way that he's built this up. And uh, they're out, they're um, located in Bozeman, Montana. And we got Nick on the show right now, so we're going to have a great conversation with him. Hopefully, you'll learn something. Maybe go set up a free account like I'm going to do right now. I'm Nick DeCastro, and this is the Tom Rowland Podcast. Nick DeCastro, how you doing, man? I'm doing good, Tom. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. You're in Bozeman? I am in Bozeman. It is, there's snow on the ground. <laughs> Winter has arrived. Yeah, we've got the uh, we've got the hot seat questions. We're going to ask you to get to know you a little mm-hmm. bit better and um, also maybe have a little bit of fun. So you ready to roll? It's kind of an either or you just say whichever you prefer. You ready to roll? Let's do it. Spinning rod, conventional or fly rod? No. Uh, <laughs> <both>. <laughs> oh, gosh, that's such a hard one. Uh, if I had, if it was gun to my head, probably spinning rod, conventional. OK. Freshwater or saltwater? Saltwater. Would you have a reptile as a pet? No. <laughs> One of your favorite bands? Uh, I mean, Led Zeppelin. Great choice. Instagram or Twitter? I don't have social. Okay, even better. One thing you're afraid of? Social media, probably. Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> uh, grizzly bears. Yeah, good thing. Uh, office, friends, or parks and rec? Office. Good choice. One piece of technology you rely on heavily other than your phone. Ooh. Uh, digital technology? Yeah. Uh, um, technology. Well, I mean, a Leatherman is technology. I use my Leatherman like five times a day, right? Okay. <laughs> it's a little bit more of a tool, but yeah. uh, uh, I'll, I'll take my Leatherman. I'll take it. Coffee, tea, or energy drink? Coffee. Mountains or beaches for vacation? Well, I live in the mountains, the beaches. Yep, that's how it always works. Favorite fishing yep. movie or TV show? Mm, I like the Salty Crew guys. Okay. Uh, Winter Olympics or Summer Olympics? Summer. Favorite pro wrestler of all time? Oh. <laughs> I mean... You'd have to go with Hulk Hogan, I guess. I mean, especially from California. Maybe right? some, maybe some, maybe some Cold Steve Austin. Yeah, I but know. I mean, that was that was like Hulk Hogan's thing. He was like yeah. a California guy. He was out there in the sunshine, right. taking your vitamins, saying your prayers. <laughs> you <know? laughs> if you could have a fishing or hunting themed superpower, what would it be? It'd be completely silent Ooh. from the talking perspective. Nice, sunrise or sunset. Sunrise. 
Country, classic rock, or rap? Country. Wow. But Led Zeppelin's your favorite band. Uh, I know. It's a hard one. You're only giving, <laughs> you're only one option. Yeah, I know. Pancakes or waffles? Waffles. Early bird or night owl? Early bird. River, lake, or backcountry? It's kind of a saltwater question. Mm. River or lake? Uh, river. The best catch or kill in your career? Bonefish in the Bahamas, all DIY. Nice. Where was that? Uh, it was on the, I forget which island it is in the Bahamas. one with the big resort and on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nassau? But, uh, actually, yeah, 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 mm-hmm. Nassau. I've, I've done the Bahamas a couple of times, and I've never had a guy just watch a bunch of YouTube and nice. figured it out and caught some bones. That's awesome, man. Uh, a movie that makes you laugh? Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> you know, most people say that. Text or calls? Uh, calls. The last book you remember reading or your favorite? Oh, I listen to a lot of books. Yeah, uh, that counts. Uh, I just was rereading slash listening to, uh, um, oh my God, I'm going to forget the name of it right now. I'm going to have to look at my phone. <laughs> um, holy cow. It's a Hemingway book, and I'm blanking on the name of it right now. Hemingway is a good choice. Yeah. Um, East Coast or West Coast? West Coast. An early fishing or hunting memory, which you already referenced, that mm-hmm. made you a lifetime hunter or fisherman. Yep, dove hunting with my dad in the deserts just north of the Mexican border, 115-degree heat. Uh, you know, being a bird dog, getting his doves for him. Yeah. A place you would like to visit that you haven't been yet. Oh, I really want to go down to like La Paz. I want to do, uh, 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 I want to do a bunch of fishing down there. Nice. Um, Android or iPhone? iPhone. Audio, paper, or Kindle? Audio. Chocolate or vanilla? Vanilla. And a piece of advice that has served you well? Mm. Man, like pride comes before a fall. Pride comes before a fall. Good. Mm-hmm. And who told you that? Well, I think the Bible originally, but yeah. <laughs> my dad seemed to remind me of that too. <laughs> Dads have a way of doing that. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. I uh, I just met Turner and and my other son Hayden that are both living in Bozeman right now, and we went to Saskatchewan for hunting. Oh, Saskatchewan and Alberta. It was a 12-hour drive for them out of uh, Bozeman. And we got up there. The weather was amazing. We had fantastic weather. It was almost like Indian summer, really. And mm. um, the last day, the day we left, winter arrived there. So probably not far uh, for you in Bozeman. Yeah, last week it, uh, we got down into the single digits and uh, definitely had some snow. Were you guys uh, waterfowl or deer? Yeah, waterfowl, uh, duck and awesome. goose. It's amazing up there. Um you know the the hunting in the the south is has been traditionally pretty good okay you know you got a place like a hotbed place like <clears throat> arkansas you know stuttgart arkansas says they're the the you know duck hunting capital of the world and um boy i'll tell you what it's an eye opener when you yeah. when you hunt here for a while 
And uh, somehow we've just kind of gotten out of the flyway in the south, I think, a little bit. Uh, and, you know, depending on the year, you'll have more ducks than others. But, um, man, they are squarely within it up there. And it is, it is incredible. I mean, just, I don't know, it's like a dream. Like you're, you're watching a thousand birds work into your decoys. And, you know, they're not all going to get in there, but whew, it's pretty awesome. So I had my 85-year-old dad, and he I watched him a couple of times. He just unloaded his gun, put his head back, and uh, just watched the birds. It was awesome. It was so <laughs> awesome. So cool. It was so awesome. Um, so you must uh, have a, a history um, of hunting and fishing all the way back to your childhood, I would imagine, just looking at what you're doing with Land Trust. Yep, absolutely. So uh, I grew up. I was born in Southern California in a place called Laguna Beach. Uh, most people are like, is hunting in Southern California? <laughs> uh, there definitely was. Um, I don't know if I could vouch for it now, but uh, yeah, I grew up um, predominantly bird hunting. So uh, we always had Brittany Spaniels. Uh, we grew up hunting essentially valley quail, uh, some chucker too. Uh, occasionally we'd get up into Central Valley and hunt pheasants and you know shoot some ducks as well. But uh, quail was kind of our, our specialty and, uh, I grew up surfing and fishing out in the ocean, kind of inshore stuff, uh, grew up spearfishing from the beach, just with Hawaiian sling. Um, I've actually never used a spear gun. I'd like to, but, uh, you know, lobster diving, all that stuff. Uh, so yeah, hunting and fishing since I was very, very young. It's like, I think I've said before, uh, uh, I think my earliest memory is like on a dove hunt with my dad, like three, three and a half years old, something like that. Awesome. It was 115 degrees out in the desert and just being his bird dog. That's awesome. Um, you must be pretty hardy with the being able to spearfish and, and surf in the Pacific right there. I know where Laguna Beach is. I uh, did an event down at, um, um, not, not Coronado, um, but down that way. And like Point Loma area. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to remember what the, I can't believe I'm spacing the name of this place. It was one of my favorite little towns down there. Um, I don't know. Carlsbad, just, just, south, just south of Carlsbad. Um, okay. Yeah. Del Mar, some of these places. Yeah. yeah. Just a cool little Encinitas. 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 Yeah, I was gonna say, so I love yeah. Encinitas. It's a cool little yeah. place and Sealfit used to be there and, we, I went out there and did this thing with, with those guys, and it is very cold. That water is yeah. super cold. But they have those cool fire rings, you know, and they built fire mm -hmm. out there. It was awesome. Bonfires, I mean, yeah. I just love that whole area all the way up. You know, you get to about, what, um, Huntington, Huntington Beach, and yep. uh, then it starts to change as you get a little closer to, to L.A. That's my experience anyway. I don't have a lot of experience out there, but, man, I love that Southern California area. That is really, really nice. Yeah, it's pretty. I mean, they definitely have, there's been a ton of development. I haven't lived there since high school. I just turned 36, so half my life ago. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, it was a really cool place to grow up, especially when I did, because there was a lot less people. Um, and yeah, the water, people are often surprised, like, oh, Southern California, you go to the beach. Like, yeah, the water's cold oh, uh, most of the cold. time. You, you'll get, you know, you'll get south swells that come up from Mexico and you'll get up in this early, you know, the, the low 70s yeah. occasionally, but. No, it's you're wearing wetsuits most of the time, and uh, yeah, it's it's chilly. What kind of fish could you spearfish for off the beach? Mm. I mean, there's so many species. Um, we uh, we'd spearfish sheep's head and uh, calicos and sand bass. You know, a bunch of different types of perch. Mm -hmm. They have um, you know corvina. Um, I've seen yellowtail in there. Uh, I mean, 
every once in a while you'll get like tuna species coming in really yeah. close. I never got to spear any, but uh, and halibut, you'll go and just kind of searching for halibut and stuff. So there's a bunch, and then a bunch of different types of uh, rockfish species. That's like cool. And they have some really yeah. uh, interesting, um, you know, fishing techniques for those calico bass. I know that uh, a lot of people are crazy about that. Big tournaments and stuff like that. Um, Calicos are a lot of fun. But in that kelp, I guess, is where yep. those are. I've never done it before, but my, I have a friend that's totally into it. Um, yeah, the kelp anyway. patties. So tell me about um, Land Trust and, and what it is uh, and how it kind of got started. Sure. So, uh, yeah, Land Trust is, I'd say, the leading land-sharing marketplace for outdoor recreation. So uh, a lot of your listeners are probably familiar with Airbnb or VRBO, which are home sharing. Maybe they've used like some RV sharing sites like Outdoorsy or RV Share. Uh, well, instead of renting somebody's home or RV, you're renting access to somebody's private land on land trust. And it's, you know, for hunting access, fishing, shed hunting, uh, RV and camping, just all sorts of outdoor stuff. That's um, cool. And how yeah, long has so- it been going on? We just turned four uh, at the beginning of this month. So October 2nd of 19, we launched the site. So yeah, a little over four years. Wow. And in four years, I mean, I looked on it today, you got like 700 different places in Montana alone. Um, you're making, you're, you're developing a lot of these um, access. Um, you know, I don't know what you, what you would call an individual experience there. The hunting trips, the fishing, like everything that you were just talking yeah, just about, all of, these different accesses. A lot of access. What, yeah. how, mm-hmm. how did you get your first one? Like, what was the, did you just have this idea first and you thought, well, um, I'm going to make it into an app or did you kind of, how did, how did it develop into what it is today? Sure. So, uh, we talked about, I grew up in Southern California hunting and fishing. So I've always loved to hunt and fish. And, uh, I came up to Montana a couple of times in my early teens with my family and did some fly fishing during the summer. It was, you know, Montana's incredible. I'm sure you Obviously, you've been up here with your boys, been up here. Um, so it's a circular answer, but uh, you know, throughout my twenties, I did a lot of advertising and technology sales, and so I, you know, I didn't get to, get to hunt and fish a lot. I lived in New York and Chicago, Boston, LA, San Francisco, a bunch of different places, and uh, finally in sixteen, I ended up moving to up here to Bozeman at the end of the end of sixteen, and immediately was kind of confronted with what today is land trust. So. Um, you know, for the folks out there who know, like uh, Montana has a bunch of public land, which is great. You get to go out and enjoy it. And um, But there's a ton of amazing private land here, too, especially in and around town. And I found myself in a situation saying, well, I'd love to have access to that place and I'd be happy to pay for it. You know, the access for a day, a weekend or whatever it might be. But uh, there's no easy way to do it. Um, of course, any of the hunters out there listening understand that door knocking has been a thing for a long time. Um I think door knocking has gotten a lot less fruitful probably uh, in, in the, the recent decade or decades. Uh, so yeah, it's, uh, I, I started the company because I wanted to use it. I am, I am a consumer of it. Mm-hmm. And what's the, I mean, do you, when you go and, and talk to these uh, landowners, what's the biggest challenge? Sure. So, you know, we've got about a million and a quarter acres on the platform in 40 States. Um, we're growing pretty, pretty nicely. Um, most of, most of that million and a quarter acres is owner operator production, agriculture landowners. So instead another way, these are multi-generation families who farm and ranch. So they've owned that land. A lot of times they've, their family homesteaded it. 
so, you know, the hardest part about, and, and, and you know, the reticence is this is where they live and work. Mm-hmm. Um, and so insurance is a big deal. We handle insurance in a few different ways. Um, you know, just that trust factor, like trust is in our name because, you know, without trust, this thing doesn't work like good old fashioned trust. Like I right. trust that the people coming out are going to be respectful and you trust that the people hosting you are going to be, you know, great hosts. Hmm. And what, what about the first ones? Like was mm-hmm. when you don't, I mean, now you got a million acres on the, on the property, you, they can go and right away you can show it to them on their phone or, or whatever, like right. this is who we are and this is what we do. It seems like things would be getting slightly easier, uh, sure. at least for, for an introductory, but when nobody, when the, when you show up and you don't have the website built or I don't know, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. how was that? <laughs> like in the very beginning, like people very are like, do you want to do what? <laughs> Yeah, I remember distinctly people telling me all the time, like, no farmer ranchers ever going to do this. Um, yeah, I mean, look, the, especially so this is a two sided marketplace. Obviously, there is supply, landowners and demand, people who love the outdoors. Um, two sided marketplaces are notoriously difficult to get going because of the thing you just pointed out. The buyers don't want to be there unless they're sellers, and the sellers don't want to be there unless they're buyers. You have that chicken and the egg mm-hmm. kind of uh, conundrum. So every marketplace faces this. Um, so, look, we beg, borrow, steal to try and get our first landowners to get on the platform. We were, you know, scouring Craigslist and Facebook <laughs> groups and, you know, uh, hunting forums. And you know, funny enough, the, we really kind of launched the business off of um, a, a farmer in southern New Jersey, of all places. Um, you know, I we'd just been scouring the Internet trying to find landowners and um he was, he's a younger guy and he's like, yeah, he's, he had like, I don't know, seven to 10 different farms in this one area of Southern New Jersey, anywhere from like 40 to hundred acres, nothing huge. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, yeah, I'll try it. Um, and so we uh, got all his listings built out and then went to the New Jersey hunting forums and said, Hey, we got this, you know, we got this cool thing. And, uh, there's some cool properties here for, you know, whitetails and geese and turkeys and, you know, like, let us know. So it was, uh, you know, and, and of course we, we found people on Craigslist and whatnot, but it's interesting. Um, it took us a while to really understand that those farmers and ranchers, like the owner operators were the right type of landowner for mm-hmm. us. There's a lot of other types of landowners who just don't really fit well with us. Uh, a lot of the people on Craigslist who were just trying to do hunting leases really weren't kind of a fit for us. Uh, a lot of times they just owned the land and didn't have anything to do with it. Never saw it, didn't work it. Like it just wasn't the right type of fit. Right. So, anyways, yeah, that's how that's how stuff got started. Southern New Jersey. So this Southern New Jersey one, um, mm-hmm. it was duck and geese, and I would imagine and turkey deer. and deer. Yeah. And and people had success on that on the first oh, season. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. And, and just you know, to uh, for your listeners, this isn't traditional annual leasing. It's you know, you could book something for a day, yeah, uh, or a couple of days. Um, so it really makes accessing private ground you know, because look, unless you own it, you're married into it. Uh, you got a friend or neighbor, family member who owns ground or whatever. Like um, accessing private ground is pretty difficult and expensive. So either you buy it, which is obviously the most expensive option, or you do annual leases, which has kind of been a historical thing. But a lot of people can't put down a few thousand to tens of thousands of dollars to, you know, lease ground for a year. Yeah. So with land trust, you know, it's uh, those properties, I think they started somewhere between 50 and $80 a day. 
Uh, and so tons of people, um, tons of hunters in New Jersey booked those properties and yeah, they were, but it wasn't like Boone and Crockett deer, but they just wanted a place to go and have yeah. to themselves and not have to like, you know, be elbow to elbow on public land with, you know, 50 other people. Right. I think it's fantastic. I mean, this is a, this is a great idea. I'm really happy to see that it's, that it's working. What about expanding it into the other, into different States? Like what has been the, yeah. has that been good for you or challenging or how are you doing that? All the above. Uh, yeah. For the last few years, obviously, you know, Montana is probably our most mature state now. It's where we're headquartered. I'm sitting here in Bozeman. Um, so yeah, you know, an evolution of a marketplace, you kind of, again, beg, borrow, steal to get it going and, and try to get past that chicken and the egg. But then you start looking at like, okay, well, we kind of need to drive uh, some density of supply in certain regions. And so then you start looking at it from more of a market-based perspective. So that's what we started to do. Montana, Nebraska, Kansas, we really focused on those markets and building up more and more listings, excuse me. So that way when, you know, hunters come and they search for Montana, they don't see like one listing, they see 60 or 80 or whatever. Um, and, you know, that was a couple of years to start really getting some of these markets, a lot of properties on them. And then it's funny, now we're in a different stage where we've got, you know, tens of thousands of sportsmen across the country who have accounts with us. And so now we're at a scale where if we turn on, you know, a new listing in Maryland, we can just send an email and a text out to our, our sportsmen who, who told us they either live in Maryland or are interested in Maryland, and they'll book it right away. So now we're kind of moving back out of the pure market-based approach to a uh, nope, let's turn on supply across the country because now we have enough demand to be able to point it like sniper shot directly at it when it comes on the platform. That's super cool. And I would assume mm -hmm. that you're able to do that for certain species, like somebody's interested in trout fishing or, or um, you know, only they're only interested in goose hunting. Like, yep. can they search that way? Yeah, absolutely. So you can search by uh, states, you can search by, you know, species or activities. When you go to landtrust.com, the homepage, you'll see like hunting, fishing, RV camping, and then farm and ranch experiences, which kind of it's, is its own category. Um, but when you, and I would encourage yourself and any of the folks listening who this might even be somewhat interesting to, go create a free land trust profile. And when you do, we ask you what, what activities you're interested in. Hey, do you, are you interested in hunting or fishing or RV and camping? And then, you know, like what state do you live in? What states are you interested in? And if you like hunting, like what species are you interested in? And once you tell us that, we're basically scouting 365 days a year for you. So wow. every single time we bring a new property on the platform that matches like, hey, you told me you like, you know, Arkansas and hog hunting and we have a new Arkansas hog property, you're going to get a text with the property. That's cool. And what do you think? Um, I mean, I'm sure it's all over the board, but like what you mentioned some average costs of like what? Mm -hmm. what somebody's paying for this like what what would a day or a week or I, yeah. I, mean, I don't know how you can rent it necessarily yeah it could be as little as a day it's up to the landowner right so it could be as little as a day um to weeks to you know an entire season um so you know just like on an airbnb or a vrbf you can rent anything from a hostel to a castle right from 20 bucks a night to twenty thousand dollars a night and i think you're going to see the same uh, on a marketplace like ours, you know, you could, you could go out and we have guys who are booking small game hunts for, you know, 25 bucks a day or, or prairie dogs or something like that. And then you've got, you know, week long archery elk hunts that could be 15 grand. So yeah. it's, you know, it's just, it runs the gamut. Yeah. That's super cool. Um, how about different countries? Are you going to try to expand into different countries? 
Like you mentioned, the Bahamas. Yeah. You've gone to the Bahamas a bunch of times. That's a place where, uh, when I go down there, you know, you're, you're trying to do it on your own. You're like, it's not that clear if you're on private land or not in some some cases, right. and you certainly don't want to be trespassing. But um, seems like that might be good, you know, access. Like there's there's sometimes you just got to access the public land, but you got to go across private land and get there, and then you mm -hmm. can then you open up this giant area to your to you and i'm sure you have those on on your yeah your property or your thing too yeah i think uh certainly we'll be in multiple continents um we got a lot i mean we're still just at the beginning of the you know we're in the second inning here maybe in the u.s so there's there's a ton of business to be you know built and done here in the u.s but we've already gotten calls from you know south america and, and some other places too um uh so yes we absolutely will expand but it's not you know, it's not like next year. We've got a lot of work to do here in the U.S. Right. Do you think you have more hunting properties or fishing properties? Hunting. Hunting is still the core activity. That's where, you know, it's the activity we started with. It's a, it's a two-edged sword. I mean, it's the hardest thing to get a landowner to say yes to. Mm -hmm. um, it's the hardest thing to ensure. But once you can figure those things out and a landowner says yes to hunting, they say yes to all the other stuff, like yeah. fishing or RV and camping or, or you know, so... For sure, hunting. What about like that that conversation that you're having with the landowner of like trying to figure that out, and they're uncomfortable with it. They're like, "You mean they're going to be people like walking around on my property with guns? Like what? I, I mean, how does that? How do you kind of work with the landowner to understand like the type of person that's going to be coming, what they're planning on doing, laying down some ground rules for them? I mean, I'm sure each property has different rules right like yep. yeah yep. so how, how does all that go down when you're when you're kind of negotiating this yeah so so it's an interesting phrase so negotiating wouldn't be the the right phrase because we're not uh, i'll be clear we're not leasing land and then right. you know subleasing it so the landowner is directly listing on the platform and i think it comes down to control our lender is retained 100% control. So as opposed to like where if you did an annual lease to a group of guys or if you lease to an outfitter, you kind of, you sold away a property, right? Uh, for a period of time and you kind of lost that control and that transparency. Whereas with land trust, you're the one directly listing your property, what activities you want to host. Uh, you know, say your family, you, you own ground and you guys like hunting whitetails, but you got turkeys and upland birds and ducks and you don't care about that. So you say, hey, look, we're not, you know, we're not going to be listed in whitetail, but you can come out in the spring and shoot turkeys or whatever. So you get to choose what you want to offer. Maybe you just want to offer a few doe hunts for whatever, uh, you know, population control. Um, what you want to offer, the rules associated with it, the prices, uh, the availability, um, everything. So the landowner really, I think it's been the biggest attraction for our landowners who, you know, a lot of them understand that their land has value from a hunting and recreation perspective. But again, the only real other outlet before us was leasing and they, they would have tried it and like, yeah, I don't like losing control of that. Um, so this has been, you know, that's, that's how we kind of have approached that conversation. It's whatever you want. And a lot of them will dip their toes in the water. You don't have to go all in and like, you know, you can say, hey, cool. We're just going to start with turkey hunting. Turkey hunting, uh, we did more turkey hunts booked through the platform last year than anything else. Um, and it's just like a really easy thing to start with. And then we see, you know, they'll start with one thing and they'll host a handful of people really like it. And then they'll start building out more, you know? Yeah. Well, I would say out of all my hunting experience, turkey hunting would be the the 
type of hunting that I would most want private land. I mean, mm-hmm. man, I went yep. on a public land turkey hunt one time and you know, I mean, as a turkey hunter, you're moving through the woods as quietly as you possibly can. You're completely camouflaged. And like, there are other people out there. Like that's, yep. that's kind of scary. Sketchy. Like, yeah, it is. <laughs> it really is. For I sure. mean, it's, it's kind of sketchy. And you know, when, when somebody makes a call or whatever, the other person is basically hunting you. If you're a good enough caller, yep. they're coming and they're trying to get close to you until they can figure out that maybe you're not a real turkey. But I would, yeah. I would think that that would, I mean, that makes sense that that would be the, the number one. And you don't need a lot of, you know, you could do it on you don't need a lot of ground. 10, yeah. 10 acres. You could, yep. I mean, you could have a great turkey hunt there. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's cool. And then the turkey, you know, the, the, when I grew up, we didn't really have turkeys in the, in the South. I mean, it was very rare to do that. And, uh, you know, 40, 40 years ago. And the turkey has had just this incredible uh, rebound. Such a great um, oh, conservation story, and they're everywhere. I mean, now we've got them in our yard in Tennessee. We've got them like all over the place. Just turkeys yeah. everywhere. So yeah, little... I think they're in almost every state and all the lower forty-eight. Pretty much everyone, I think. Yeah. So it's pretty cool, and a bunch of different kinds too, with different you know yeah, styles the... of hunting little bit that is uh you know that's something that the real kind of rabid turkey hunters love land trust for we'll see with this last season we saw guys book four or five hunts and they'll just do a big loop across the states mm-hmm. they're going for their slams and all that um but yeah it's, it's you know you mentioned you mentioned a, a really good point too that we see a lot of folks using land trust for is hey i'm either i'm going out by myself on a turkey hunt and you don't want to be in a dangerous situation or you're bringing your kids out or first-time hunters or new hunters whatever and they just want that exclusive access to private ground, um, which, by the way, does not guarantee. I'm sure you've hunted a ton of private. Yeah, it uh, no. doesn't guarantee you're successful. By, by no means. means. By no yeah, means I've, does it. I have struck out a ton on private, but it does, you know, through, booking through land trust guarantee you, hey, you're going to be the only one out there today. You cannot have to worry about that piece of the puzzle, yeah. which is a big deal. Now, do you... Um... Like, what about, like, the way that it works with, with some of these, like, Onyx or something like that, mm-hmm. to where you can see the property boundaries and stuff like that? Do you have that as a part of your platform, or, or do you use other other technology, you know, as well? Yep. So we partner with Onyx. We partner with uh, HuntWise. And so, you know, when you book a place, um, so you can make inquiries with landowner if you're not ready to book straight away. So you can, you know, go to landtrust.com, you find some properties that are cool, find some packages. Oh, this, you know, this farm has a three-day uh, spring turkey hunting package. Oh, I like it. I'm seeing photos. I can read about the property. If you still have some questions, you can contact the landowner directly, ask whatever questions you have. And then when, when, once you book, we send over kind of your, you know, uh, arrival instructions, which is kind of the landowner, like, you know, where's the property, how to get there, landowner's information, phone number, and then, you know, Onyx maps of the property, waypoints, like all that stuff. And same thing with HuntWise. So we'll send you both depending on what, you know, mapping um, software you use. And so we give you property maps and all that stuff uh, after you book. Mm -hmm. That's super cool. Have you had like, Somebody, like you mentioned, the turkey hunters are going and trying to get their slam. Have you had somebody that has done that, like th- booking oh, yeah. through your platform, and they've been successful on all of that stuff? Well, not the Osceola. Uh, you know, so we don't. We have a couple of Florida properties that are in the queue coming on, but I mean, they've definitely 
been very successful on land trust, but I can't say they did their whole slam on land trust because we don't have uh, right any properties that have Osceola's right now. But still, though, that's that's pretty good, man. Just to be able to book something sight unseen off the off the internet, and go there and, and have success. That's that's pretty awesome. Well, the, you know, look, I I think it also is really because of who our landowners are. I mean, again, these are people who live and work on that land and have probably most of their life or their whole life and maybe a couple of generations. So they, they understand that ground. If you've ever gotten permission from a farmer or rancher uh, to go out and hunt, it's that experience, right? They're like, Hey, look, here's the place. Here's the kind of activity we see, you know, in the mornings we usually see them kind of, they're coming out of roost over there or, or they're feeding down over here. They give you a lay of the land. Um, so you couldn't have a better, uh, you know, a better person kind of talk to you about that property. It's not just getting access to some nondescript timber property and figuring yeah, it out. You know? Right. Yeah. That's super cool. Um, so, uh, are you, uh, do you like to fly fish a lot in the, in the Montana area in the summertime? I do. I do. Well, I, I will caveat that by saying I have three daughters, uh, four <laughs> years old and younger. So, uh, I haven't got to do a lot of it in the last couple of years, but yes. I three daughters, fishing. four years old and younger. Do you have a set of twins in there? No, no, or just... two and a half and almost the one year old next week. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, that's similar to, to my spread. Um, that'll keep you, that'll keep you pretty busy. And a company. So, yeah. Well, your company <laughs> seems to be growing super fast. Like how many, like you got four years under your belt now, you got a mm -hmm. million acres on the, on the platform. Mm -hmm. Like where else are you going with this? seems like it's growing I mean, it's, pretty fast, but like, what, what's the, what's the vision? Yeah, look, we want to be the, the world's largest land sharing platform. Um, and you know, for our uh, tens, tens and tens of millions of acres on the platform in the next, you know, let's call it four or five years. Um, and you know, the cool thing about the business is, especially because we're partnering with farm and ranch families, this is a great ancillary income stream for them. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that's symbiotic with production agriculture. So it's not like they got to change anything. Like, no, as we all know, farms and ranches are a great place to hunt because, because of their farms and ranches. Right. So it's a great way for them to, that's, it's real low touch to generate profitable. It's almost pure profit, profitable income for their operations. Um, but yeah, we're getting to connect people who love the outdoors with America's farms and ranches and a, my perspective, a win-win uh, scenario where you get access to these cool places you would have never had access to before and and they get to generate some income and keep that family you know keep that property profitable and in their family's hands so you know we can continue to do that at scale we're going to continue to add other types of outdoor recreation fishing and and we're going to keep growing those categories of fishing and you know rvs and camping and then just farm and ranch experiences yeah like, i was going to ask about that the farm and ranch experience what <clears throat> is that that seems to be pretty popular i mean you listen to joe rogan he's got joel salatin on there and he's got mm -hmm. um all of these kind of sustainable uh, mm -hmm. farmers that are doing you know things different than monocrop agriculture and yep. you can you can go out to some of these farms and i, I i'm assuming that's what what you're offering there, but tell, tell me yep. about what that looks like. Yeah. So it's a, honestly, I think that category could be as big as the other ones combined. It's still, look, we're still learning it. It's very early, uh, but we do have landers who are offering it's, it's a broad category. So it could be something like, you know, Hey, it's a calving experience or, you know, come out for branding or planting or harvest or learn how we do our regenerative grazing programs. 
uh, bring the kids out, um, you know, to interact with livestock and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So it could be a lot of, it, it's a very broad category, but it's anything that's bringing the consumer, people like you and me, out onto the farm and ranch to learn about, you know, agriculture from the people who actually do it. And right. I, you know, from my perspective, when we talk to our, our landowners, our producers, there is no better way to fight the bullshit that is spewed in, you know, mainstream media about, you know, farmers and ranchers killing the planet than to have the consumer come out, see these beautiful places that they steward. Again, we as hunters know that they do a great job because that's why all the wildlife's there, right? right? Yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't want to hunt a place that wasn't well stewarded. There would be nothing there. Um, and get to, you know, have that direct connection and begin to get educated on what it is. I think in 1900, 40 plus percent of all jobs in the U.S. were agricultural. And now it's 2% or one and a half percent. Right. So we are so disconnected from agriculture. I know. So disconnected. Uh, and, and especially children these days. Yes. Like, you know, even when, you know, uh, when I was a kid, we would have a field trip to a local farm because mm-hmm. it was super easy to find a local farm. I don't know yep. where they would take them now. I, I don't. Yeah. I don't know where where you would go. Like, well, it, land trust will fill that gap. Yeah, so that's that's where that kind of that farm and ranch category again. It's still really young, um, and we've got have a lot to learn there. But we we have people who are booking that stuff. Uh, I'm sure. So, uh, you know, but it's it's still a young category for us. Yeah, I think it's a great category. I think that's super cool to get, um, especially kids out there to just kind of understand, like, oh, this is where our food comes from. Like, because yes. most people have just completely either purposefully disassociated from it and they don't even want to know where their food comes from or they have <laughs> yeah. no idea. And, and you, you'll have kids that pick up a piece of fruit or a vegetable in the supermarket and they don't even have any idea what it is, what it's called. Or a package of meat. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's funny with my daughters. I always ask them what type of animal we're eating when we're eating it. You know, is it elk? Is it deer? Is it a cow? Is it pigs? You know, like so that they 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 understand that yeah we, we all, obviously we all love animals but we also eat them and that's yeah. kind of the, the nature of this. Yeah, well, I love that category. That's super cool. And uh, who knows, man? I mean, you got other things like the shed hunting too. Like mm-hmm. that's that. I mean, people will scour public land for for sheds, and then they're like, yep. man, if I could just get over there, I bet there'd be. I bet there'd yep. be some awesome ones there, and and for the for the uh, farmer, that's land they're probably not even they're probably not even going there. Like they don't even. Yeah, and guess what? Farmers don't like sheds. Yeah. They pop tires. Yeah. So they like they they cause a lot of damage uh, for tractor tires and equipment tires. Yeah, pick those up. That's cool, mm-hmm. man. That's cool. Yeah, so, foraging. We've we've got people booking foraging from rail mushrooms and. You know, uh, I think regionally you'll see different stuff. Maybe it's snowmobile access, uh, you know, in the colder climates or ice fishing. And so there'll be these kind of tent pole categories of hunting and fishing. And these, But then I think there'll be some cool regional stuff, too, that you see. How did you start to build this this out? I mean, you had you had the idea and you're like, OK, well, I think I think there's something here. So what was the next step? You had to build the technology or 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 establish the relationships first? Mm, oh, you have to go back a little further. It's, uh, you know, I raised, I had to go fundraise. Yeah. So, you know, it would be, I don't want to say impossible. It would be very hard to bootstrap a marketplace like this, meaning not raise any money and just do it all, you know, on my own dime. Um, and I wasn't in any financial position to, to self-funded anyways. Uh, um, 
So, you know, with the idea, and I, I had worked in early stage startups my whole career. So, you know, series A funded companies, um, uh, venture capital back companies. So, you know, as the idea kind of coalesced and it, you know, I thought about it for a year, year and a half. It, when I first thought about the idea, I didn't go do it right away. Um, I was still working another job and just kind of letting it, uh, simmer, I guess. Um, but yeah, once I, the flip, the, the switch flipped, it was like, all right, well, I got to build a deck, like a pitch deck and really start to kind of, um, distill the idea of what I'm trying to do here and, you know, pitch some investors. So that started in earnest in November of 18. Uh, and then the first investor checks in the company came in in June of 19 and I went full time you know, left a very good paying consulting gig July 1st of 19, one month before my first daughter was born. Wow. Yeah. That's cool, man. I'd love to hear about people's um, journey to that, to that decision. Like you mentioned the the moment when you kind of flip the switch and you're like, okay, I'm going to need to build a deck. I'm going to need to do all this stuff. Like what was, what was that like? I mean, I had to do the same thing with our, with our company waypoint that we, that we mm -hmm. have. And it's like, you know, at some point you, you get to a place to where you're like, you know what, this, this has actually got legs and we're either yeah. just going to have this thing as a, as a simmering thought in the back of our mind for the rest of our lives, or let's do it. Like, what was that like? How, what, what was the, the, the kind of straw that broke the camel's back for you to actually get started on that? Yeah. Uh, it just got to the point where I couldn't not do it. Yeah. And I think, you know, I've been invited to speak to the business school here at MSU and I've spoken to some of the kids in, uh, entrepreneurship courses. And that's my, my advice is don't start a company unless you can't not do that thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, because it's really hard. Uh, it's not sexy and fun. And, you know, like I think media has made it this like, I don't know, they've glorified it a little bit. It's just, just a lot of hard work and over a long, like many, many, many years. Yeah. And, you know, if I didn't truly like, I wanted to use the product, I was a customer. So if I didn't truly have a direct connection to this thing, if I wasn't passionate about both sides of this marketplace, like it's too hard. I would just give up. I can go, I can, it's actually, you know, starting a company is a pretty crappy way to make money. Um, <laughs> as far as like a, <laughs> as far as like a, a salary goes, I made a lot more money before I started this company doing other sure. stuff. Now you do it in, in hopes that, Hey, over the long term, yeah, you build a valuable business and you have a good outcome. But, uh, I don't know the five to 10 years that that takes to build is a long time. Yeah. So for me, it just got to the point where I said, like, you know, we fiddled around with it. We had just been there and eating at the eating away at the back of my mind. I said, "All right, well, the time is now. Like, I've got to, I've got to try it. I don't want to be 60, 70 years old and like, shit, I should have tried that thing." Yeah, you know, I mean that that avoidance of regret is a is a powerful um, mm -hmm. motivator for some people. Not for others, though. I mean, not everybody has that. I don't think. Like some people are like, no, eh, it's a pretty good idea, but I don't know. Like maybe they're even more like the uh, the fear of failure or I don't know, the fear of change might be more Risk powerful. Averse. Yeah. They might yeah. be more powerful yeah. than the than the you know, the the person that is like, Man, I just don't want to regret it. I'd rather go out there and do this thing and fail miserably and just know, okay, well Yeah. 
I, I gave it my best try. <laughs> yeah, but that is funny. Like the the advice that you're giving kids, you know, basically don't don't start a business unless you absolutely just cannot live without doing this. That's pretty good advice yeah. because the the um, you know the entrepreneurship, like you say, is 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 built up as like this thing that you should probably consider. But I, there's that Elon Musk um, quote. He's something like. It's like chewing on glass and staring into yep. the abyss <laughs> most, yeah. most days and most times. I, I know exactly what that feels like. Everything that we've ever done and built has been um, basically entrepreneurial. But I I don't know any other way to do it. Like, I'd probably be a terrible employee for yeah, someone. You prob- I, yeah, I mean, you probably would be. I probably would be yeah. because it's like, hey, I I want to own my own destiny and, I, you know, and I'm comfortable – this is the thing that I, I think it's really important for people who are looking at starting a company. It's like, yeah, every it's sexy to own your own destiny. The unsexy part is that you're all, taking all the risk. Yeah. So when you go to work for somebody else and you get a W-2 paycheck, they've taken a ton of risk off the table for you. And that's that should not be uh, discounted. So, you know, I mean, shoot, man, it's, it's hard. And, and entrepreneurship doesn't have to be, you know, Am I trying to build a billion plus dollar company right now? Yes, I am. It doesn't have to be that. Right. You know, you can start a services business tomorrow. You can start a cleaning company in your hometown. Like that's starting a business too. And that's entrepreneurship. It's, being a, a fishing it's, guy. And it's a lot. Being a hunting yeah, guy. Being a fishing guy. And it's a lot more achievable. Like the success rate is a much higher success rate than what I'm trying to build here. Mm-hmm. The outcomes, the outcomes are different, but um, you know, there's a lot less risk, risk there. Yeah. But the similarities are that when you decide to do your own business, whether you're going to be a fishing guide or try to build a billion dollar company, um, you're, you're saying, well, I don't really want to work for somebody else because I don't want them to necessarily dictate my schedule. But when you go and you own your own company, now you're working all the time. So you don't have, yeah, there, there is no, <laughs> there is no opportunity to dictate your schedule. It's work all the time. And it may look yes. different than other people's work. Like you could be at the coffee shop or you could be dressed in yeah. shorts and a t-shirt, but dude, your mind is going all the time and, and it's for the right person. It's great. Yeah. But for the wrong person, like if you were looking for sh- smaller work hours, shorter work weeks, this man, is not it. No, <laughs> not even not being it. a fishing guide is is it. Like it's like no. nobody is going to be a harsher critic on you than than yourself. You know, for the right person, right? Like some people yeah, totally. might not. It, they might. It might not be the entrepreneur. You might like they always say you got the entrepreneurial spirit or you don't, right? And some people. Yep it's fine. You know, that's, that's cool if that's not it. But the person that, that does it like, like you, I'm sure you're a very harsh critic of yourself. You want this company to be perfect and you're willing to put in whatever time it takes to get there, which is probably more time than anyone would expect or hope that you would, that you would give it. And that's why, that's why, you know, companies like yours are, are successful is that, you know, someone is putting in way more than anyone would have expected. Yeah. Yeah. I am absolutely, our, I am our product's harshest critic. <laughs> like I hate our product. I, I don't hate it. I, I, I like it, but it is nowhere near where it should be. And I mean, I think, you know, sitting in your seat too, I'm sure there's 20 things that you wish you could wave a magic wand and change oh, right now yeah. about, about the business. And yeah. The, and product. the funny thing is, is like when you change this in a tech business, I, mean, I can't yes. even begin to think <laughs> about yours, but in, in ours anyway, is it like, it, we were always trying to put a search bar in, but 
Mm. It was it was like that should be the easiest thing, man. You can get on. Yeah, can't you, you just can, do this, engineers? Yeah, it seems so easy. It's like, yeah, it would have been easy if we had built that in at the beginning. Mm -hmm. But now to go yep. back is like not so easy. Rechange your it's architecture like, oh, and yeah, yeah. yeah uh, fun uh, fun fact for uh, the folks out there: never tell your engineers that that should be easy. It's not a, <laughs> it's not a way to make them happy, people. <laughs> Well, I think it's I think it's super cool what you got going, and uh, I I think I'm going to be a a a consumer, a user of this thing because like the the um like one of the things that I like to do is is to like with my wife and family sometimes we'll we'll do an RV trip, and like mm -hmm. I noticed on on your thing, I'm not really down with RVing. I don't know. I can't. I haven't really figured out like what the difference is between an RV resort and an RV campground and an RV park and all these other things. And sometimes we show up and, and like, we think we're going to be kind of out in the woods a little bit and yeah. you show up and people have got like decks built around their RVs and they're, they're yes. they, it's like, okay. They're living they're, there. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're living there. there. They, they got eight dogs. Cars. They hadn't yeah. moved and and, and that's fine, you know, but that yeah. wasn't the experience that I thought we were going to get. And so like, I would be more like, I'd like to boondock out there just just yep. go out there and put the rv there and you got this whole place maybe you could fish a little or maybe you can come and go as you please but i mean i think that's a i think that's a market and too. a beautiful farm or ranch absolutely and, yeah. that, and we're building that product out as well um i mean this this uh i killed my first turkey this this last spring i was out with one of uh, the guys who we work with um you know uh john dudley is yeah uh, he does knock on you. So, yeah. John, you know, we were down there with him in, in Missouri, um, just about a mile south of the Iowa border. But that property was amazing, right? Uh, uh, the, the the property owner's uh, sister had actually just bought a, a travel trailer. He's like, hey, I didn't have lodging before, but if you want, you can stay in there. We stayed in a beautiful travel trailer, like camper, and uh, John brought his down. And, you know, we camped on the property. He had seven ponds on there, turkeys everywhere. Uh, I killed my first bird, uh, but I don't know if you know, in Missouri, you can't hunt in the afternoon. You can't hunt after 1 p.m. Oh, really? We didn't know. Yeah, we didn't know that coming down, so our hunts got cut in half. But it was okay because we went and just caught a bunch of bass and stuff. Yeah, seven uh, ponds. ponds. That sounds barbecue. pretty good. Yeah, so, and, you know, and the landowner is awesome. He's a farmer. He grows Wagyu beef, which is even cooler because then we got to eat Wagyu, <laughs> Wagyu beef. And so, like, you know, that's, you could go book that in the spring and, like, hunt a turkey and, Catch some fish and eat some steaks. How do you get Dudley to come down there and show you how to shoot better? Oh, well, is that I'm extra? That's gonna be an extra charge. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> as I said, you know, like I've never killed a turkey. I've been on a bunch of turkey hunts and I've seen a lot of turkeys with a tag in my pocket, but I've never gotten to kill one. Um, I wasn't gonna mess around. But I, you got I, one. I, I, that yeah, I brought a shotgun. I brought a, yeah, I brought a shotgun. That's cool. So I shot. I shot my bird. Uh, we had a crazy like a hurricane level storm come through the night before. And Dad was like, Hey, my uncle always said after a storm like that, just walk a, walk a timber road. And we did that. Saw some toms, belly crawled to him. I think I shot my bird at like 62 yards. Just dropped him. Wow. 62. That's really good. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't want to take a chance with a bow. I'm not good enough with a bow. Yeah. Like, you know, like if I get a shot, I want to, I want to kill. A well, bird. I mean, that's the kind of the evolution of, I mean, so many yeah. times, like in, in my world, it's permit fishing with a fly rod. You know, people mm. want to do that or even bonefish or whatever. But uh, a lot of people jump right from trout fishing to permit fishing with a fly rod. And it's like, man, if you yeah. just caught like a couple on a spinning rod, 
right. you would have caught one on a fly rod way faster because you would have the success and then you could build on that success and you would have more confidence and then you know you could you could catch them on fly but it's not like they're super easy just like a turkey it's not like it's super easy to kill a turkey no. with a shotgun still everything has to come you know it has to totally. it has to be working right so to you know to to downplay that and say well i didn't kill it with a bow it's like well yeah but maybe you will next time or i don't know maybe you don't oh, even yeah. want to like turkey way, hunting yeah, is like, a... <laughs> i'm i don't buy into all the uh I don't buy into all the factions within hunting. I like, yeah, I no, like I every type of hunting and fishing I've ever tried. Like I, I could be sink bait for catfish or, you know, fly fishing for uh, tarpon. I'm with or you. Like it's cool. I'm with you. I'm with you. And, and I don't get into the, um, to the infighting amongst the, no. the groups like yeah. fly fishermen hate bait fishermen and bait fishermen don't like, you know, what, whoever, I don't know. Yeah. It, we all need to get along. They make fun of me in the office cause I'll, I'll pull a Panther Martin out on the on the rivers up here and we'll go head to head i'm like hey you guys want to i want to catch fish today i have a very short amount of time you know especially with kids like yes if i get for an hour to go fishing i'm just going to take a spinning rod with the panther martin like i'm not going to go do my whole setup and like you know fly rod. it's just it's less time efficient yeah and i, I have just as much fun catching 10 fish on, on panther martin than i would you know like the otherwise i like it all but i also am not shy about up here, it's like, oh, you, you know, you conventional fish. Like, yeah, I don't care. Yeah, well, some people told me when, uh, when I moved down to Key West, that, uh, you know, I'd rather catch ten. I'd rather catch one fish on a, on a fly than ten fish. When they were talking about permit or bonefish, either mm. one, permit yeah, or bonefish, yeah. I'd rather catch one on fly than ten on bait. But I was like, I don't know. I've never caught 10 on bait. That kind of sounds, kind of sounds fun. And so you go out there and you throw 10, you catch, you actually, when you actually catch 10 on a live crab, Pretty you're like, day. damn, that was the Pretty. best day I've ever yeah. had. 10 on bait yeah. turns out to be way more fun than one on fly. Yeah, in that. my opinion, I mean, in, <laughs> yeah, in my sure. opinion, like that's, but everybody, you know, everybody has their, their different ways that they like to go about it. And, and then that's cool. That's why, that's why we have all the different tackle and the different places. And, you know, to your, to your place, you know, to what you do, like you can go and book all these different places that are really tailored for one thing over another. Like, this is a perfect place to archery deer hunt, or this is a perfect place to turkey hunt, or this is how you get the the fly fishing access for this particular species. I think it's super yeah. cool, man. So how do um, how do people find out about Land Trust more? Go there, sure. set up an account. What do they What do they do? Yep. So uh, it's pretty simple. You go to landtrust.com. Uh, you can kind of browse the site. It should look and feel familiar if you've ever used other sites like an Airbnb or whatnot. So you can search check out properties, do all that. Um, you can follow us on Instagram, landtrust land underscore hunt. Um, and so we'll, you know, keep you up to date. But as I, as I mentioned, just take one minute and create a free account. Like if this is, again, at all interesting to you, even in a little bit, just create a free account. Tell us what you like. And then we're out there scouting 365 days a year for you. We're adding tens of thousands of acres uh, you know, a week. So we're going to find stuff that's interesting to you. Now, are you doing all that from Bozeman? Like your team is all in Bozeman and, and you're making these calls to the different States or do you have people all over the country that are kind of looking for you? 
Uh, so we do have what we call landowner success managers. And so we've got, um, and those are people who are kind of boots on the ground in different states. So we've got a couple here in Montana. We have uh, one in North Dakota, um, uh, Nebraska, Kansas, Missouri, Iowa. So that's some, some cover multiple states. So we do have boots on the ground that do go out and visit a lot of these properties and talk to the landowners and do that as well. Mm-hmm. What about um, like we probably have people that are listening right now that have have property all over the place that might want to lease it or or you know yeah. use rent the land it trust, out, yeah. rent it out. Yeah. Like, yeah. How would they go about doing that? Yeah, for sure. So again, landtrust.com, you'll see when you go to the uh, homepage, you'll see like a little four landowners button on the top. And oh. that page is kind of like uh, we've got a bunch of video testimonials from landowners who've been with us for years kind of breaks down the whole thing if it's interesting by the way there's a phone number on the site um so you can uh you know just either call or text us uh we're you know we're real live people here there's no ai you know answering you at the chat bot or something like that um uh and just for people listening the number is 406-709-8450 you can call us or text us at that number um and you know, you'll get you'll get a person on the team, and they'll happy to answer any questions that you have. Um, and you know, as a landowner, you can build it yourself. We have plenty of landowners who build their own listings, and it takes I don't know, 15, 20 minutes. Or our team's happy to build it for you. So they'll just talk to you, and they'll build it out as you guys talk and get you up and going. So we try to make it as simple as possible for landowners uh, to get up and running. That's super cool, man. I love the concept. Love it that you. Uh that you got it going and, and it's working. It's awesome, it. man. Yeah. It's awesome. I yeah, appreciate it. All right. So uh, if you're interested, go check that out, landtrust.com or .org? .com? Dot .com. Yeah, com. no, no. We are for profit. For .org profit. Or non-profit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> good. Yes. Good. Well, not good luck. Be, not to be confused with uh, like conservation easements and that stuff. Those are the .orgs. Right. Um, right. So landtrust.com. Yeah. That's the place. And yes, get sir. ready to br- pull your wallet out because you're getting ready to spend some money. That's. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a, well, and I also, I get a, uh, speaking of hopefully Turner doesn't charge me, but he did invite me to go shoot ducks at his place if the weather got cold. Oh yeah. So. Well, he's got a nice little spring pond down there. I think it might, you mm-hmm. might want to go on the first one because I believe that the neighbors are going to complain. So I would, I would, I would, <laughs> a little close. I would get the first, first hunt, like ask him when the first day he's going to hunt and then go there and, and make it quick. Um, okay. Because, yeah. yeah, yeah it's, I, it's pretty close. There's no doubt that there's, it's going to be loaded, I think, but. Oh yeah. And want, as soon as it freezes up here, those spring creeks, they just, yeah, they pile in. It's so cool, man. That's it. But he's got a great place out there with, with all the horses and the, the, it's just got a lot of land. It's nice. It's really cool out there. Um, but anyway, Nick, it was great meeting with meet with you today, and uh, congratulations on on uh, where you are uh, in this I entrepreneurial it. journey, man. It's uh, it's tough, but you're doing great with it. Appreciate it. Yeah, just a few more years till overnight success. That's right. All right. All right. We'll we'll see you next week with another guest like Nick, and uh, that's it for this week. See you. Miss Mondays with Into the Blue, brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors, every Monday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. 
Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV.